Amen. The title of the lesson today is He Relates, and just to give you a little bit of background, if you uh, haven't been with us the last few weeks, if you're visiting with us, we're really grateful to have you here, and uh, we love to uh, be together, we love to worship God, Uh, we love to uh, uh, connect with one another, and uh, we don't just see each other on Sundays, we try try to be involved with each other throughout the week, Uh, so it's a real community of, of brothers and sisters here, and we're really grateful to have you with us. Uh, but we're doing a worship series right now called Superior, uh, and uh, it's from the book of Hebrews. If you look at uh, Hebrews 1, you can go ahead and be turning to the book of Hebrews in your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we have some at the information table in the back where you can look along with somebody else. But it says here in Hebrews 1, uh, Steve preached on this topic last week. In these last days, God has spoken to us by His Son, through whom He made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. After He had provided purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So He became as much superior to the angels as the name He has inherited is superior to theirs. So that's where our series title came from, that idea of superior. That Jesus is better than the angels. He's better than any other force of darkness or of, of light. He's, he's superior. And uh, last week, Steve uh, preached on this topic, he radiates. You know, this verse just talks about how powerful Jesus is, that through him the whole universe was made. Isn't that incredible to think about? We had a great uh, camping, or hiking rather, hiking trip with the, the preteen ministry yesterday that uh, Dustin and I were kind of in charge of. So we went down uh, this place called Bluff Cove, if you know where that is in Palace Verdes, where you can walk down. And we walked along the, 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 the shoreline there, and we had a little devotional about how awesome God is. And it was so cool to hear these kids sharing about what amazes them about God's creation. And we talked about how, you know, our solar system is so big, it's so huge, and yet our solar system is just like, if you look on this shoreline, our solar system is just like one of these pebbles on this whole shoreline in, in terms of our galaxy. The Milky Way galaxy. So then we talked about how our galaxy is so huge and so incredible, but the whole Milky Way galaxy is like one of these pebbles on this whole shoreline in in the billions of of, of galaxies that are out there in the universe. I mean, the universe is huge! And and here it says, through whom He made the universe. Jesus was the creator of all things. God created things through His Word, which became flesh, which is Jesus. Isn't that incredible? And He sustains everything. It says here He's the perfect representation of God's glory, the exact representation. So this is... Cosmic Jesus. All-powerful Jesus. He radiates. Uh, this week, we're going to kind of bring it down to our, our level. He relates. So it's so incredible that not only is He cosmic Jesus, creator of the universe, but He also knows what's going on in your head and in your life, and He can relate to you. And uh, that's the goal of, of today, that you would come away really believing that, really understanding that and knowing what does that mean on a practical level that He relates to me. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you felt like no one could relate to you before. Uh, we've probably all been there. I remember being a teenager. Where's our teen ministry today? Oh, there you guys are. How's it going, guys? Uh, I remember moving. My, my family moved from Pueblo, Colorado to Denver, Colorado, which was like 100 miles away when I was uh, right before my junior year of high school. And you know how that is, you know, being an outsider in high school and you know, all these other kids had gone to grade school with each other. They'd known each other for, you know, their whole life, at least 10 years plus. And I didn't know anyone at this high school. And I just remember that feeling, you know, that 
the worst is at lunchtime. You know, it's like, who am I going to sit with? You know, and, uh, you know, where do I, where do I sit? What do I do? And so first I sat in the band room, because a lot of these band people that were, I was in marching band. I had been in marching band the first two years of high school. So I, so I was in marching band, so I, all the, I heard they were sitting in the band room. So I, I got involved in that, and then I realized, this is a little too insulated. This band, this band thing is like, these people are like a little bit too into it. <laughs> you know, I was like, pretty soon I was like, I don't, I don't like this band thing, so I'm going to try somewhere else. You know, so then I kind of hung out with these, because I was in these uh, kind of smart kid classes, you know, like the, the advanced math or whatever. So then I kind of hung out with the smart kids for a while. And then, uh, you know, tried that. And then I hung out with these, the drama kids for a while. You know, I was trying to move around, but I remember that feeling of, I am a loner here. And everybody else kind of has somebody, but I got nobody except Jesus. And, uh, you know, I wasn't even a disciple yet, but then I became a disciple and then I had Jesus. But anyway, we've all had those thoughts of, uh, you just don't understand what I'm feeling. Teens, you ever said that to your parents? Be honest. I know you have. I don't have anyone I can talk to about this. You ever felt that? I really need to talk to someone who's already been through what I'm experiencing right now. And there's a lot of even songs about that, you know, where the person is singing about, no one knows what it's like. You know, it's all... There's a, uh, there's a uh, Tom Petty song I like, or a, I like Tom Petty. I can't stand, I can't, I couldn't play the whole song because there's part of the song that's inappropriate, but... Uh, but he, he go the, the chorus, he goes, You don't know how it feels. You don't know how it feels to be me. Anybody know that song? Come on, Tom Petty fans. Come on. <laughs> like the Who better? Okay, well. So anyway, we, we, we've all had those feelings of nobody can relate to me. And, and the amazing thing about Jesus is he can relate to you. No matter where you're from, no matter what your background is, no matter where you grew up, what side of town, rich, poor, black, white, Hispanic, Asian... Haitian, you know, God can relate to you. Jesus through through the Son of God through Jesus. Let's look. Let's dive into Hebrews a little bit and uh, turn to Hebrews four, backing up a little bit. Let's look at Hebrews four thirteen. This is kind of where Steve left off last week. Hebrews four thirteen says, "Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him." to whom we must give account. First point is, there will come a time. I've got three points today. There will come a time, he'll be by your side, and let him be your guide. First point, there will come a time. You know, there, there comes a time where we all have to face the real us. And that could be in this life, or it could be in the next life. Hopefully it's in this life, so you get time to get ready for the next life. But we all come face to face with ourselves. We, God, God knows everything. God sees everything, and yet we still try to fool Him sometimes. And here, the, the, the Greek, I was reading a few commentaries on this. It says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered. That first Greek word, uh, it, it means just basically what the way it's translated. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's revealed. Everything is revealed to God. But then this next part where it's, where it's translated, this was written in, in Greek originally. And it's translated, laid bare before the eyes of him. That, that verb there, laid bare before the eyes of him, is this really powerful Greek word that it, it was a wrestling term, like, like it meant like when, when the guy had him pinned down by the neck and you can't do anything, you're just, you're just like, you're pinned down. 
Or it could be an, an animal that had been filleted and kind of its skin pulled off. Like th- this is a really kind of interesting word. That's the word that's translated uncovered and laid bare. Just It means just totally exposed, completely exposed, totally helpless, like a wrestler pinned down or like an animal that's been filleted and hung up, up to dry. I mean, that's, that's, it's a very powerful word. And kind of an uncomfortable word. Like, whoa. And I think the Hebrew writer was trying to shock us a little bit, going, look, there will come a time when you will be totally exposed for who you really are. Have you ever uh, dressed up for like a, a costume party or Halloween or something and and you almost become a different person because you put the costume on and you kind of get into character or whatever. Am I the only one that's done this? Everybody's like looking with blank stare. Okay. Everybody's like looking, stare, staring at me with blank faces. You know, you put the costume on and suddenly it's kind of like you, you become this other person. And uh, my, my son Jameson was doing a, a report. Uh, it was been, it's been since December he's been doing this report called the Dead Dudes Project. And every kid had to uh, pick a, a person who's now dead and write, do a bunch of research papers on him. And he, he did, like, papers about everything about the character. He turned in maybe seven different papers. And so Dustin and I know all there is to know about the character he chose, and it was Dr. Seuss. His name is actually Theodore Giesel. And we know, if you ask us anything, we know all about Dr. Seuss, because we helped him with this stuff. But anyway, the final thing was he had to either... He went to Dartmouth. <laughs> See, you try to get me, Calvin. Try to call me out. So, so uh, he, he uh, at the end of his project, he had to either do a presentation or a class in class or make a creative video. And so he decided, this is my son, he decided to make a creative video. And so he decided to, to be Dr. Seuss and that I would interview him. <clears throat> and so I thought, okay, so should I dress up like a news reporter or something like this? He's like, no, he found this wig from his friend and he wanted me to put this wig on. And he said, put these sunglasses on and... You know, it's just kind of, I'm like, why? What's the point? He's like, well, and so anyway, we came up with this thing where he was on rock, this was all Jameson's idea. He was on, on rock legend radio and he was coming on to be interviewed. And, but it was so funny because I watched my son transform into this character. You know, he puts on the costume and suddenly he's just clowning around and he's like, I'm dying! You know, and, uh, goodbye, cruel world! And, you know, just, <laughs> and just totally acting like this old man. It was so hilarious. I'll just show you a little clip of it. I'm not it's seven minutes long, but I'll show you a teeny clip. Clip. Can't hear the music, I guess. Oh, there we go. All right. So I won't play any more of it, but you get the idea. It's on YouTube if you want to see it on YouTube. It's called "Interview with Dr. Seuss." But uh, anyway, the point of that, of showing that, was because I wanted you to laugh. But also because no. Uh, because I, when, it made me think about the costumes that we wear in life and the way that we can put on facades that are not really us. And I know we've all done that, especially, you know, those high school years. You're trying to see, where do I fit in? What, what's my kind of look going to be? You know, what's my, who am I? You know, what kind of style am I going to wear? What kind of music am I going to like? What am I going to be into? Who Who am I? And we kind of put this face out there to the world that this is, me. And yet there will come a time where we all get exposed for what's really inside. And there's, there's sometimes where the inside starts to come out, you know, and, and we start to see cracks in the veneer. Uh, but you know, you know how you share your faith with people and they just seem like they all have it all together. And I tell myself, I know they don't really have it all together. And then there, there, there's those moments where you start to see 
kind of what's really going on. We had a, it was funny, last time I preached, I talked about not being caught up in the worries of this life and challenges of, of kind of being in this world. Remember, we t- showed the kids eating the marshmallows and stuff. I talked about kind of being waiting and looking for the next life, not being caught up in, in this life. And you got to be careful what you preach about because that week, I mean, we had car problems, we had dog problems, we had house problems, we had, you know, computer problems, all this stuff. And I'm like, oh man, I can't be worried about the worries of this life, you know. And uh, But one of the things that happened is we had this, we, Cora called me into a room and her ceiling, uh, the paint on her ceiling was like bulging down. And we're like, what is that? And then we poke it and it's like, jelly and like, uh-oh, poke a hole in it and all this water comes out. So there was this leak up there and so we tried everything upstairs trying to isolate what the leak could be and we couldn't, you know, I pull in the dishwasher and, and the, the, the washing machine and the refrigerator and the sink and trying to figure it out and finally we just, we couldn't figure out what it was and we called Frank Aquilina, he helped us out. We had to cut out the, the drywall to expose what the issue was and the issue was a, a copper pipe with a, what do you call it? A, Pinhole leak, that's what it's called, yeah. A pinhole leak, just this little bitty leak, but it was causing problems. But, but that, that's the way life is. Sometimes we have something going on on the inside, and then pretty soon it starts to come out. You know, you start to see the bulging paint. And we've got to expose what's really going on. And, and the thing is, is that we can't be afraid of that, because really we all, we all are a mess. You know, if you're visiting with us, you think, all oh, these people, they've got it all together, they're religious. and We are all a mess. We all have our, our history and our past and all these things that are a mess. And we've just learned that if you do allow God to expose you, the fact is He will relate to you. And he, that's when you can get help. You realize how stupid that would have been if, if we just kind of kept, kept draining that, that ceiling going, oh, just ignore it, just ignore it, you know, let's just leave a bucket here. That would have been so foolish. And yet that's sometimes what we do with our lives. We kind of go, oh, I'm just going to kind of keep going, keep going, keep going, and not be willing to kind of open up and expose and go, what's really going on underneath? What's really hidden? We all got to give an account. I think part of it is, is we, most of us hide. We don't feel very good about who we are, and we feel like if anybody knew the real me, they wouldn't like me, or they wouldn't accept me. Or I wouldn't be able to really be forgiven if you saw the real me. Because, you know, our sin is ugly. If we come face to face with our sin, it's ugly. And there's those, again, there will come a time where you do come face to face with us. Another uh, commentary I was reading where it says, everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. It talked about having to meet his gaze. It talked about God's eyes. You know, you know those people where they look you in the eye and you feel like they can see right into your soul? Kevin Maines is like that. You know Kevin Maines? He has these blue piercing eyes and he'll just ask you, so how are you doing? You just smile and you're just like, I think I'm doing good, Kevin. What do you see inside my soul? Right? Martin? And, uh, you know, and, and this week, there was a couple times I just was like seeing my own sin going, ah, oh, you know, why am I this way still? Um, this, I was, had this interaction with my son, and actually my wife had an interaction with him, and it didn't go very well, and she sent him to his room, and it was just, you know, the emotions were inflated, and I was at this point still rational. And so I'm like, okay, do you want me to go talk to him, honey? She's like, yeah, you go talk to him. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go talk to him. And I'm feeling, you know, yeah, I got this, you know? Go talk to him, relate to him, ask him some probing questions, because we're doing this parenting series, right? Talks about questions that draw him out, and so I'm, I'm like going to try out my questions on him and everything. So I get there and start asking him questions, and 
And it does not go well. He's not taking any responsibility. He's just super defensive. He's blaming my wife. He's blaming me. And he's just emotional. You know, the, he's just pure elephant. If you're in the, the, the parenting series, there's no rider there. It's just elephant. And uh, so I'm like, oh, and then pretty soon, just something snaps, and I just yelled at him, and I slammed the door. I can't talk to you right now. Slam the door. And I, you know, I walk away. I'm like, oh. Totally ruined it. You know, like, I ruined the situation. So I went back and I prayed with him and apologized. And I apologized to the other kids because they knew what was going on. But it's one of those things where just my sin just grabbed me. And, and, I, and I, I sinned. I blew it. Another thing that happened this week was um, I was, uh, you know, I told you I had house problems, car problems, dog problems, all these computer problems. So this car keeps dying, and I've taken it back to, it's a 1999 Honda Civic that's my car that I drive, and I like it, except it keeps dying on me, and uh, so I've taken it back to the mechanic again and again and again, we fixed one thing, fixed another thing, fixed another thing, and, and then, you know, last Sunday I was at the West Service, and it died on the freeway on-ramp, and then, so then on, on Friday it died on, on Hawthorne, it died on PCH, then it died on, you know, this corner right by my house. You know, I'm stuck right in the middle of the corner and people are driving around me. And, I'm, you know, you just feel like so stupid. Like, who's that idiot? You know, he can't get his car fixed. I'm like, you know, you, it, and when it dies, you just have to wait and keep trying and keep trying. And then it'll start again. So finally, I'm waiting and waiting. All these people are driving by. Finally, it starts again and I'm going to my house and I'm just so angry. I just start pounding the, the dashboard with my fist because I'm so mad. And I, I pounded it so hard that I broke the... The, uh, the the little things off the, the the what do you call them the the vent yeah the vent filth the vent little blades blades that's what I'm thinking of broke the blades off the vent and then I'm looking this looks it's all broken it looks so stupid I'm like <laughs> I thought of that there's a verse that says man's anger does not accomplish the righteous life that God desires you know anger doesn't accomplish anything. It really doesn't, and I'm just like, I'm so stupid. Why did I do that? And I had to confess it to my wife, and she's kind of like, she was good. She, you, know, you could see her face. She's like, why did you do that? <laughs> but she was good about not piling on. But, you know, you, we have those moments where you go, man, I wish I could take it back. I wish I could go back and have another chance because I blew it. And there will come a time where we all do that. We all do that. And so look at the next verse, though. I think this is so encouraging that the writer of Hebrews is saying, everything is uncovered and laid bare. We, we all face this situation. And yet look at this in verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize or to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Point two, he'll be by your side. Point two, he'll be by your side. I mean, this is incredible. Cosmic Jesus, the creator of all things, powerful, perfect representation of God, the radiance of God's glory. It says he can empathize with us. He can be like, oh yeah, that's tough, you know, when your 1999 Honda Civic keeps breaking down. Now, did he ever have a 1999 Honda Civic? No, but he, he knows what it's like to be frustrated with something that doesn't change or you know he cursed a fig tree right <laughs> because it didn't have any fruit but he didn't sin so it must be must be okay to get a little mad 
But he, he, he can empathize with me. He can empathize with you. He knows what your weakness is like. He's been there. Think about that. Let that sink in. I mean, what are your weaknesses? It says he's, he's able to empathize with your weakness. What are your weaknesses? What are your areas of weakness? You know, you usually like to not let anybody know about them. Those are the ones we keep behind the facade. You know, we don't want people to know. But we all have those. We all have hang-ups. We all have insecurities. We all have weaknesses. I mean, my pride is a weakness. My faithlessness and doubt is a weakness. My poor time management is a weakness. My lust, envy, materialism, love of comfort, mistrust, hatred of correction. All these things, these are weaknesses of mine. But Jesus can look at me and go, okay, I empathize. I know what it's like. I've been tempted in every way. Isn't that incredible? Uh, you can just look on the screen a, a couple chapters earlier, Hebrews 2. It says, For this reason he had to be made like them, meaning humans, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. The Hebrew writer is saying this was all part of God's plan. You know, in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, God was creator God. And we worship Him. And there's all kinds of incredible worship going on in the Old Testament. But there was always this feeling of, I worship God, He's the creator, but He doesn't really know what it's like to be a human. He doesn't really know what it's like to be... There's this kind of divide. You know, He's behind the Holy of Holies. He's inapproachable. You know, only a few people could even come near him. And then when they got, you know, like Moses, when he got near God and he comes back, nobody else could even be around him because his face was glowing and he had to put a veil over his face because he had just been with God. But nobody could really get close to God. And so that's the incredible thing that it was always God's plan that I'm going to become one of you. That God would enter the creation as a human and, and be one of us and be able to, to, to go through what we go through. He, because he suffered... He is able to, 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 to uh, know what we're going through. Is, are we having problems over there, Sherwin? Okay. Uh, when you've been somewhere, you can sympathize. You can identify. You know, if, if somebody's asking you about something and you've been through it already, you know that feeling of, oh, I know what you need to do. I've been there. I've been to that place or I've been to that store. Or, you know, if somebody's struggling with a situation that they've, uh, it's new to them, even, even something like, totally uh, unrelated to God. Just, just they, they're going to a new store that you go to all the time. You're like, oh no, here's what you, need. Here's what you do, here's how you handle it. You know, I was encouraged with the plumbing issue, I could call Frank Aquilina. Frank's the plumber. He just comes right over and he knows just what to do. And he, you know, fixes it. No problem. Because he's been there before. He's done this thousands of times. He knows exactly how to fix a, 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 a pinhole leak in a copper pipe. And that's how Jesus is in our life. He knows exactly what we're going through. It's amazing back in, in Hebrews 4 that says, He was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet He did not sin. Think about the things that tempt you. And what is temptation? James 1 verse 14 says, Temptation is when you are carried away by your own evil desires and enticed. You know, your own evil desires get the best of you. And, and so therefore, if Jesus was tempted in every way, just as we are, that means he had to have had evil desires. Because the definition of temptation is evil desires that entice us. So Jesus had, it wasn't like he was just this uh, unemotional, uh, you know, robotic God as a human. He was a person, he was fully human. He had evil desires. He had all the same temptations. 
And yet he never crossed the line. I mean, isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible that he never crossed that line into sin? And, uh, you know, you think, well, he wasn't tempted in this way like I am. He never had a kid. He never had a job like this. Or he never... Well, he was tempted with the same types of things. There's sort of categories of sin, you know, that he was tempted with. And, and if you think about it, usually you or I, were tempted, 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 and then we just give in. But he was tempted, 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 and never gave in. Therefore, he experienced the utmost of temptation. Because he, he went all the way through it and never sinned. Isn't that encouraging? He experienced hunger, he experienced thirst, depression, physical exhaustion. He knew what it was to be unappreciated, misrepresented, misunderstood. He had intense moments of sadness. He experienced physical and emotional pain, the levels of, it, of which almost none of us will ever experience. He knew what it was to be rich, to be poor, to be in need, to have everything. Anything you are going through, he can relate. When you are going through something difficult, isn't it encouraging when you find somebody that has been through it before or can relate to it? Uh, I remember my wife, Dessa, a couple, a few years ago, she was, had this health issue where she, she had something with her stomach and she, she was just nause, nauseated all the time. And she couldn't, she could, we couldn't figure out what it was. I was taking her to this kind of, doc, kind of doctor and this kind and this kind and this kind. And we tried like four or five different doctors and I'm call, I start calling, you know, UCLA Medical Center to see if they can do any research on her and, and kind of all this stuff. And it was just kind of a scary time in life. Uh, Dr. Calvin was, was helpful and, he would help us out with, with nausea because he, he experiences that. Uh, he helps uh, patients who experience that because he's an anesthesiologist and nausea comes along with that a lot of times. And so it was so encouraging to have his help, you know, at, at that moment because he could relate to what she was going through. And uh, we went, she, she figured out what it was. It was this H. pylori uh, uh, bacterial infection in her stomach and so she was dealing with that, and we went down to Mexico. She went with me uh, to, to go on a, a trip down there to, to serve the, the churches down there in Mexico. And uh, we met this couple, and uh, they were a leader of a, of a small church down there. And the wife had the exact same thing that Dessa had, and had been through a lot of the same stuff. And she, she was at home all day for, for days on end. And, you know, it, I just remember that she couldn't speak any English, and my wife couldn't speak any Spanish. But you could just sense this real connection because they'd been through the same thing. And, and they could relate to one another. And that's how it is with Jesus, is He can relate, He can sympathize, He will be by your side. Jesus has sympathy for us in our weaknesses and struggles. Jesus has been there before. And Jesus is able to help. Jesus has sympathy for us in our weaknesses and struggles. He's been there before and He's able to help. Do you believe that today? And, and do you live your life like you believe that? I mean, you know, do you approach Jesus with your issues? Do you trust God to expose what's really going on inside? Or do you, you kind of, oh yeah, yeah, I believe in Jesus, or yeah, yeah, I, I trust Him, but you don't really, you know, live like you do. Um, it's interesting because it says here, the next verse, Hebrews 4.16, okay, so how should we respond to this? How should we respond? Verse, verse 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with what? Confidence. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I mean, that's so encouraging. There will come a time where you will totally be exposed. Your sin will be laid bare. And yet, we can find confidence because Jesus can empathize and, and sympathize and He's been there before and He's going to help us. I hope you really believe that today. 
And, and, and let's make this decision. Okay, I'm going to approach God's throne of grace with confidence. I'm going to be confident going to the cross of Jesus. I'm going to be confident going to God with my sin and with my weaknesses and all that because He's going to help me. He's going to give me grace. He's going to give me mercy. He's going to give me what I need. I can approach with confidence. Uh, I got an opportunity to go to a, a Coldplay concert. Coldplay is one of my favorite bands. And a couple weeks ago, and there was a brother who was doing the lighting show for, for Coldplay. And we worked together at the last L.A. Congregational thing, and he said he was going to do the show. And he said, yeah, I could probably get you in. I'm like, really? And so I texted him every few weeks, you know, is that still a possibility? And he was, yeah, I think so. So finally, it was like kind of the day of, you know, when I knew it would happen. So he got me this wristband that, that basically gave me all access. So he met me, and he had this, I had this wristband, and so... We went to the Coldplay concert, and we didn't go through where everybody else was going. We went through the back where everybody's, you know, working and doing all this stuff, and I'm wearing the wristband. And, you know, at first I was kind of a little inconfident, like, you know, am I going to be found out, you know? <laughs> but then people would see my wristband, and they're like, okay, come on in, you know? So then, so then he was working up way up in the back doing the lighting show, and so I think he didn't really want me around the equipment stuff. And he's like, basically, you can just go wherever you want, and just enjoy the concert. And he just said, I said, really? Anywhere? He's like, yeah, with that wristband, you could even go up on stage if you wanted. I'm like, okay. So, so I would try it out a little bit, you know. I would, I would kind of go through, and you know, see the security guards, they're everywhere. You know, this was a Hollywood Bowl, and there's security guards everywhere. And the first few times I approached the security guard, I'm kind of like, you know, and then they see my wristband, and they're like, okay, and they just let me in. And so, so I, I never did go, you know, really close to the stage. I was a little too wimpy to, to do that, you know. Because I did have a couple people that were like, oh, you can't be in here. you got to go over there, you know, because it says working on it. You know, he's like, where are you working? And I'm like, I'm around, you know. <laughs> so you can't, you can't stand there. Go over there, you know. So, but I found a great seat and I enjoyed the thing. But, but it's, it's funny how my confidence built, you know, and I could kind of walk in and go, hey, I, I've got, this covers me. And that's how it is with God, that, that as we approach God, we can go, hey, I'm, I'm covered by grace, I'm covered by mercy, I've got Jesus on my side, I can walk in here with confidence instead of being all ashamed and afraid and all those things that we feel when it comes to, to God. We can have Jesus as our friend. Uh, before we get to the last point, let him be your guide. You know, you hear this phrase, Jesus is my friend, and we sang a lot of songs about that, what a friend we have in Jesus. And think about what that means to you. I think that can kind of be this sort of religious-y thing. Jesus is my friend. There's, I want to show you a little bit of this video because it's called Jesus is My Friend. And uh, it's kind of this religious view of Jesus is my friend. This is not what we want. Let me just show you this for a minute. Turn up the volume there if you would. <laughs> That's good. So hilarious. So, you know, there's this kind of religious thing of Jesus is my friend. And that's, that's not what I'm talking about. It, it's, it's that He's your guide. He, it affects the way you live your life. It's not just this religious thing of, I live however I want, but He's my friend. It's, no, He's my guide. I'm going to follow Him. I'm going to do what He says to do. Because the, the next, uh, next chapter, it talks about this. Hebrews 5. Okay, let's get past the video here. Sorry. So funny, I had to show that. Okay, Hebrews 5. It says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, He offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the One who could save Him from death, and He was heard because of His reverent submission. 
Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered, and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. So, so there's this idea of obedience with it. And, and, and he is the example of that. Because it says when he was on earth, he didn't just you know, have this great time because he's the savior of the world and he has all power and he can do anything he wants. He lived a life of reverent submission to God. He offered up prayers and petitions, loud cries and tears to God. And that's, that's who we are to imitate in, in that same obedient posture that he has. That kind of dynamic relationship with God. He is the source of eternal salvation for those who obey him. He is to be our guide, our source, our, 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 the, 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 the way that we get where we need to go. Steve, I think, shared last week about our, our trip uh, whitewater rafting. And we had a guide named Kimba. And she would, she would tell us what to do. And we, we obeyed what she said to do because she had been there before. She knew the water. She knew all about how to operate that that raft. And so she was our guide and we obeyed her. And, and that's the way it's got to be with Jesus. He's been through it before. He knows the kind of temptations. He knows the sufferings we've been to. But that's why we've got to cling to his word. And that's why we've got to obey what he says and we've got to live by what he says. In the book of First uh, John, we'll come back to Hebrews, but in First John, uh, John 2, verse 1 through 4, we're going to go ahead and turn there with me if you would. You can leave your finger in Hebrews. We'll come right back. But I think this verse puts it all together, everything we're talking about here. 1 John 2, verse 1. It says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So, Jesus is an advocate for us. And we're going to come back to that in a second. But verse 3 through 6 says, We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. You know, the goal, back in, in verse 1, he says, I write this to you so that you will not sin. And that's the goal, is for us to be like Jesus, to live a sin, sinless life, to strive for perfection, to try to imitate his example. He, he was tempted in every way and he never sinned. So that's the goal. We've gotta, we, can't, we can't take sin lightly. But, when we do sin, thank God that he's an advocate. And uh, that, that word advocate, it, it's uh, parakletos. It means to come alongside. You know, like we, we talked about, he'll be by your side. It means he's, he's with you. He's on your side. He's rooting for you. And, uh, and, and then he says, we know that, that we're doing this right if we're obeying his commands, if we're living as he did, if we're walking as Jesus did. In this church, if you're visiting with us, you'll hear us use this term a lot, disciple. Are you a disciple or she's a disciple or he's a disciple? The reason we use that term is because that's the word the Bible uses when it's talking about Christians. It doesn't use the word Christian very much. That kind of came in later. But it talks about being a disciple. And we like that word because it means a follower, a student. It means you're, you're, you're imitating a teacher. And so Jesus calls us to be his disciples. And you don't hear about that a lot in churches today. A lot of people talk about accepting Jesus or uh, you know, receiving Jesus into your heart. But, but 
what you see in the Bible is discipleship. You see people going, I'm going to live like Jesus. I'm going to become his follower. It's not enough just to go, okay, I accept you, Jesus. It's, okay, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to live the way you lived. I'm going to let you be my guide. And, and the fact is, if you're trying to live like that, you will be desperate. You will be dependent. You will have reverent submission. Why did Jesus have loud cries and tears like we read about? Why? Why? Because I think he was trying to live a sinless life. I mean, imagine the pressure. And he had to depend on God. And so if you and I are going to kind of just be a little bit religious, we can kind of do that at our own power. But if we're going to strive to be like Jesus, we've got to be dependent on God. We need him to be by our side. We need his mercy. We you know, we've got we've to really go after this idea of letting him be our guide, not just being religious. And, uh, you know, some of you, you're visiting, you might have been burned by religion. You might have seen a lot of, uh, quote-unquote, Christians out there that don't live like you think Christians should live. But there's a lot of hypocrisy in American Christianity, isn't there? And it really, it, it gives Christianity a bad name, and it turns people off to God's real plan for them, and, and what real Christianity is, and... You know, if, you, if you've been out there and you've been turned off by religion, by hypocrisy, you're in the right place, because so have all of us. You know, that's really why we're here, because we tried the religious thing, and it doesn't work. You've got to really live the way of Jesus. And so that's what we're trying to do. We try to help each other. We hold each other accountable. We encourage each other when we fall. We pick each other back up. We help each other to try to live the way of Jesus. And when we do mess up, we've got him by our side. He's the atoning sacrifice for us. He's our advocate. He's, on, he's with us. Uh, advocate is also, was also used as a lawyer. It's like he's your lawyer who's standing up in front of the judge saying, you know, telling us what to say, what not to say, and, and rooting for us, and standing up for us. And I was talking to Steve uh, a couple days ago th- this week about um, we, our church went, if you've been around a while, our church went through kind of an identity crisis in, in 2003 and and a lot of stuff was shifting around, a lot of stuff was being said, and we kind of, you know, we had built the church in a way that wasn't really healthy, and so I think God was trying to help us to repent. And But there was a, it was a, a kind of a difficult time, and a lot of ministers, suddenly their churches were kind of attacking them. And, uh, you know, my wife and I had been in the ministry like three years at that point, and I really appreciated Henry Kramer, our elder Henry Kramer, because in some places where the, it was like elders against the evangelists and this kind of stuff, Henry, we always felt like he is so on our side. He's like the advocate for us. You know, he would, he would root for us. He's one of the people, but he's also, you know, really there for, for us, the ministers. And, and, I mean, it was so encouraging to have somebody that's like, I'm rooting for you, bro. I'm pulling for you. And that's the way it is with Jesus when we do mess up, that he's on our side. He's rooting for us. He's the advocate for us. He's the opposite of Satan, who is the accuser. Jesus is our advocate, and he's on our side, rooting for us. Okay, let's, let's talk practically here and, and uh, kind of bring this to a close. A few practical things. Aim for perfection, like we talked about. Strive to be like Jesus. Don't settle for just being religious. Let's keep working on the areas of our lives that are not like Jesus. He is our guide. We've got to imitate her. Imitate him. Number two, be humble. When you do blow it, be willing to be exposed. Be willing to be honest. Be willing to be real. Pride will keep you from growing. Pride will keep you from allowing God to give you the grace and mercy that you need. The pride is like going, no, no, I don't need grace. I don't need mercy. I I got this. 
humble is going, wow, I was trying, but I messed up and I blew it. Ask for help. Ask for help from God. He relates to you. He's been through it before. Ask Him for help. Go to Him in prayer. And a lot of times, you know who God, how God helps you? He sends a brother or sister. You know, you go, God, help me to overcome this anger that I'm dealing with. And then you meet a brother and go, the brother goes, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. I'm not allowing God to help me right there. But if I pray, God, help me to overcome my anger. And the brother goes, how are you doing? I'm like, oh, I blew it in my anger this week. You know, can we pray about this? Oh, I blew it too. Let me talk. Let's talk. Let's help each other. God sends you help through other people. Number four, accept forgiveness. I think Satan's, Satan's strategy sometimes is he tries to get people who are lost to think they're all right with God. And then he tries to get people who are right with God to feel like they're lost. To feel like, you know, oh, maybe God doesn't love me, or maybe I can't be forgiven, or maybe I can't really change. God, the blood, if, if you're a disciple of Jesus and you've been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, that grace continually cleanses you, and you can approach God's throne with what? Confidence. There will come a time He'll be by your side. He's there for you. So accept His forgiveness. Number five, trust the expert. Jesus has been through it before. He knows what he's doing, and it's a matter of trusting in him. And again, a lot of times he helps you through other people. Trust his word, that his way works, and, and God will help you out. In closing, he relates. There will come a time. He'll be by your side. Let him be your God. We're going to take communion right here. And uh, the Bible says in Hebrews 3, fix your thoughts on Jesus. And in Hebrews 12, verse 2, fix your eyes on Jesus. So I think communion is a great time of just fixing our thoughts, fixing our eyes, remembering why we're doing what we're doing, remembering the way that he does relate to us, and and, uh, remembering that as we take communion. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you relate to us. Thank you so much for your help in our life. God, thank you for uh, not ju- that you're not just this cosmic God who created all things and is all powerful, but you also walked among us as a human and you can relate to us and you can be by our side. Thank you so much for that, God. And I pray that as we take this bread and this fruit of the vine that symbolizes your body and your blood, I pray that we can uh, remember who you are and, and be grateful. And I pray we can make decisions to be more like you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.